Hey, if you have a Bible, would you grab it and open to the book of Psalms 62 is where we're going to be this morning. We're in this series called Summer of the Psalms, and uh, really what, what we're doing is anybody who's, who's speaking on a Sunday morning, they're just picking some psalms, and, and they're able just to preach about those things and share just why that particular one means so much to you. So this morning we're going to be in Psalm 62, and the way that I want to approach this for us, uh, particularly this morning, is I want you to think about uh, being anchored to something. In particular, I want you to think about it in two different ways. The first is, if you think about a boat anchor, and, and you, a lot of you know the way that the, a boat anchor works, but uh, you take a boat anchor, and it's got this long rope or chain attached to it, and you would basically throw that into the water in hopes of it getting to the, the floor of whatever body of water you are, that it would kind of bury itself a little bit in the sand, and it would kind of anchor the boat to keep from drifting or going off uh, where, where, from where it's supposed to be, right? And so it's anchored in the ground. Like, that's one way to think of it. And then the other way I want you to think of it this morning is, in particular, if you're, if you're somebody who's been here, I know this is one of those challenges, um, but if you're somebody who's been around for a while uh, in Bluffton, South Carolina, how many of you were here when Hurricane Matthew came through in 2016, just by show of hands? Uh, put them up real, real, like, be proud of that, because there's not that many of us, it seems like, anymore. So 2016, uh, later in the year, Hurricane Matthew came through, and, uh, and that happened, you know, it was, it was one of those moments where we all thought, there's no way that that hurricane's going to come here. Because normally it just doesn't happen. They just kind of skirts on, you know, they kind of say it's, it's going to come, it's going to come, it's going to come, and then, and then it just like goes north of us and it never hits us and, you know, we all evacuate and it's crazy and all that kind of stuff. I actually stayed for Hurricane Matthew. How many of you that had your hands up, how many of you evacuated for Hurricane Matthew? All, any of you, you bunch of chickens. I mean, I'm just telling you, like, listen. So I stayed, um, and now I've had to promise my family that I would never do that again. But anyway, um, but, but before, leading up to it, so the weather got kind of crazy. I want to show you this picture. So this is, this is my son back then. So my son does not look like that now. He's a little bit bigger than that. But, but what we were doing, we were just kind of messing around in the backyard. You know, everything's shut down. It's raining. It's kind of nasty. And, uh, and for some reason, I don't know why exactly we had this this harness, and we had this rope, and so what we did, we were just kind of joking around, and we, we anchored it to one of the posts, one of the columns on our house, uh, and I know that that column is very secure because I put it in, and, uh, and so, I mean, there's a rod that's going all the way through it, tied, all that kind of stuff, and it's, it's very secure, and we were just kind of doing that number right where he's doing. He's kind of leaning out, and we, we would actually do that when the, when the rains came, the winds came, not like in the middle of the hurricane, but leading up to it, we did that. I'm not that bad of a father, right? So, <clears throat> but anyway, I want you to think about that because what happens is then this happened that night. So hurricanes, for some reason, like to come at night. I don't know if you realize that, but for some reason around here, they come at night. It's never during the day. And uh, of course, during the night, I had uh, 20-something trees that came down where I lived, um, this was one of them that was near my house. I had one that came and kind of hit my house, and, uh, and it was a bit of a mess. In fact, for some of you, that was where I got to know you first, as you came out with some chainsaws to my house and clean, helped clean up some of the mess that I had in my yard, right? So here's what I want you to think about, and you can take those pictures down. I want you to think about this in your life. Most of us, most of us, probably all of us, at some point or another, you're going to go through something that feels like a storm. And there's going to be 
there's going to be some carnage like that, right? There's going to be some things that, that are going on around you, and, and it's going to feel a lot like chaos. And it's going to feel a lot like things might just be spinning out of control. And you're not really quite sure how you should deal with it. And, and the thing is, it, when you look at the Psalms, right, so I, I was actually talking with somebody this week, and one of the differences between especially the Psalms and then even the way that Paul writes in the New Testament, right? So David, uh, David is a very passionate individual, if you read the Psalms, incredibly passionate. Um, Paul, um, a little angry in some of the things that he writes, actually, you know what I'm saying? When you read enough of the, um, the New Testament and the way that he writes, and he's confronting some of the false teaching and bad theology and doctrine that kind of creeps into the church at different times. But David is incredibly passionate. Uh, in fact, David would, I, I would say a lot of us are like David, because, because in some ways David would, I mean, everything would be going great, and he, he's going to write some psalms, and he's going to talk about how wonderful God is. And, you know, he, in fact, Psalm 62, he says some of that. Psalm 62 is probably one of those chapters where he's in a really good place in what he says. But, but there's other parts of psalms that he's writing, and of course it's Old Testament, but he's going like, my God, why are you not listening to me? Why have you not heard me? And he kind of he goes down that road for a while, and then he'll come back and he'll write another psalm, and he'll talk about how great God is, and then he kind of goes back into this little valley. He's like, why aren't you listening to me? And it's just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And here's what I want to challenge you with just, just in, today's, in today's time, right? So I want you to think about um, where, where you are anchored in your life. I want you to think about where you are anchored in your life. Uh, the interesting thing about uh, the culture that we, we live in here in, in the United States is like um, we can anchor our life to a lot of different things. I don't know if you realize that. Like we can anchor our life to, like we can anchor our, life to our career and like that's the thing. Uh, we can anchor our life to, uh, you know, some people anchor their life and, and, you know, we're celebrating Father's Day. So, by the way, happy Father's Day, right? Uh, and so you might anchor your life to your family, right? You know, as, as parents, you know, one of, the, one of the dangers that we have is, you know, we, we allow our, our lives to revolve around the lives of our children. You know what I'm saying? Some of you maybe are in this world, maybe a little bit too much. It's like everything that you do and everything that you have right now is all about your kids. And then what happens is, and I, I know this from experience from some of my friends that I grew up with, is like then, then the kids are out of the house and, and it's like, oh my goodness, we, we don't have a relationship anymore in our marriage because everything's been anchored to our kids. And, and so we anchor our lives to a lot of different things. We've got careers, we've got family, you've got finances, you have all of these other ways. It's like, this is where I'm anchoring my life to it. And what we find is that when we no longer have those things and our life is anchored to them, then the question becomes, what are you going to do after that, right? You, you look back in, in history, right, and it's not that long ago that 2007, 2008, 2009 happened, and you had this big crash in the housing market and all of those types of things, and I know friends, you had friends, maybe some of you, that was part of your story, like you wind up losing everything, 
And that, that's, that's going to happen at different times and different seasons and all those things. But if, if that's where you're anchoring your life to, then, then what happens is your world begins to fall apart. And so uh, here's, here's something I want you to think about just, just in terms of that as we get into Psalm 62 is this. Like, I want you to think about anchoring your life to Christ uh, because even though your circumstances change, He is unchanging. As you anchor your life to Christ, right, as you anchor your life to Christ, it doesn't matter what is going on around you. It, it doesn't matter all the things that are happening in your world even. When you're anchoring your life on Christ, you know, those things will change. Sometimes they're going to get better. Sometimes they're going to get worse. But He is unchanging. He doesn't change at all. And so you get to that place of going, okay, I, I, this around me, yeah, it's painful, right? The, the diagnosis comes, and, and, and it's terrible. And the knock on the door comes, and it's awful. It's tragic. Like, those things happen in people's lives. If there's anything that we're experiencing today, right, of what you see happening around us, it's like every day you turn on the news, and there's a shooting somewhere in our country. Well, that's That's tragic. And your circumstances in the, in the blink of an eye will, will change. And, and if that's what your life is built on, then it begins to fall apart. But if you would anchor your life to Christ, in His promises, in the truth of who He is, then even though, right, around you your circumstances change, He remains unchanging right so grab grab your bible psalm 62 let's let's just read we're going to read verses one through four uh to start and and we're just going to walk through it's only 12 verses so uh don't don't get your hopes of about getting out early that's not going to happen so um he says this and and again david's on the his life is like a roller coaster in terms of his relationship with the lord this seems to be one of those moments where he's, he's just on this uphill tick He says this, I wait quietly before the Lord, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. That's the way way he sees it in that moment, right? He's going, man, this is, is I, I know, listen to what he says, my victory comes from him. He's my rock, my salvation my fortress. Three things. My rock, my salvation, my fortress. And see, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a tendency to, to not write things or say things like that. I'm more dwelling on my problems. I don't know if you're like that, right? You, you, you're not reminding yourself about the truth of who he is. All you're doing is kind of talking more about your problems. In fact, sometimes you talk so much about your problems, you're building them up to be way more than they really are. I don't know if that's any of you, but sometimes I do that. He says that so many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a, a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me uh, from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. Now here's something just to, just to think about in the way that he writes this. Now there's other times that he's writing and he's writing and he'll dwell a little more on what's happening around him. He doesn't dwell a whole lot more on what's happening around him other than these two verses. 
But David basically lived in this world where it seemed like even as he was king, um, somebody was always trying to take his throne from him. Somebody was always after him. Somebody wanted his life. Somebody wanted what he had. And so maybe a little bit different life than we might currently live, right? I don't know of any of you that are kings. Um, So you, you don't necessarily have that going on, but that's part of what he's saying. When he's talking about God being his rock his salvation and his fortress, he's, he's really thinking about salvation means I want him to save me from these things that are happening around me. And a lot of times that's the way that we could be thinking of our relationship with God. It's like we have all of these things that are happening and God, we want you to save, we want you to rescue us from what's happening around us. But he doesn't spend a lot of time in this particular place dwelling on that stuff. And here's a couple of things to think about, right? We get to this place in our life where we, we, we think about what's going on around us and we become a little frantic. And so this is one, something I just wrote down just in my notes, I'm working through this, was stop being frantic about what's going on around you. Stop being frantic. Stop panicking. And here's why. God already knows. He already knows. He knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows everything that's going to go on in your life. There's nothing that happened that has caught him by surprise. It's not as if he woke up this morning and went, "Uh uh-oh. And your world fell apart while he was sleeping. That didn't happen. He knows everything from beginning to end. Everything that's going to take place in your life, he already knows it. And so it's just one of those things in terms of a perspective is we, right, when you're anchoring your life into the right source, when you're anchoring your life in the right way, in the right manner, then there's no reason for you to panic or be frantic about what's happening in your life because your heavenly Father already knows what's going on. And while for you it might seem desperate, and while for you it might feel like, man, this hurts and it's painful and it's frustrating, like He knows all of those things. Because see, we, we know this, right? We know that what's going on around us, I, I thought of four things, right? What's going on around us? There's four things. One, it distracts me. That's one of the things that the the devil wants to do in your life, right? He wants to keep you distracted from ultimately what what God has for you in terms of a mission and a purpose for your life. And if he can keep you distracted, then he's actually succeeded. In fact, C.S. Lewis would write in the screw tape letters, like that's one of their big things that they want to do is just distract, 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 distract. We got them so distracted, they're of no use. And it distracts us. And it captures our attention from what we should be focusing on. And so like for David in Psalm 62, when you look at it, he's got these things that are happening. And how did he start? He started it with his attention on the Father. He says, this is who my God is. My victory comes from him. My salvation comes from him. He is my rock. He is my fortress. Here's what's going on around me. But I'm not going to let those things, one, distract me. Number two, those things that are going on around you would have a tendency to discourage you. Right? There's, uh, there's some things in, in all of our lives that when, when one thing happens, do you ever, does this ever happen to you? It's like one thing happens and then another thing happens. And then another thing happens. Anybody, that's kind of your story. It's not just one thing. It's like 17 different things that happen all at the same time. You're like, man, what's going on? And if you haven't experienced that, just hold on. You will. 
You will. And it's really easy in those moments, like you get to this place and you get, you get really discouraged. At some points you might begin to doubt, right, the truth of who God is. It's going to discourage you in such a way. It's like, well, I've been trying to do the right thing, trying to do the right thing, trying to do the right thing. And it's like, even while I'm trying to do the right thing and live the life that God's called me to live, and I'm trying to do these things, do these things, do these things, and the hits just keep on coming, and it's just piling up and piling up and piling up. Why in the world would I keep doing this? And I'll bet that some of you have been there. I know I've been there in my life multiple times. It's really easy to get discouraged along the way, and you're wondering, like, is it worth continuing down this road of trying to do the right thing it just discourages you it disappoints you life is full if you haven't learned this life is full of disappointments right disappointments you know we we father's day um you know it's father's day so let's let's just real quick let's do this like who's our youngest father in the room who's been a dad for less than a year anybody in the room Uh, we got one back there anybody else we got one over here. How about, okay, so you got two of you. Who's less than six months? Anybody less than six months? Less than six months? Less than four months? All right, they're both still got their hands up. Okay, shout out the birthday of your kid. This is how we're going to see who wins. Okay, neither one of them know the birthday of their kid. Okay, so. <laughs> and by the way, my kids are older, and they still test me on that all the time. Dad, do you really know when our birthday is? It came up last night around our dinner table. Um, and so you might want to commit that to memory. Um, young dads, older dads, let's go real quick. Older dads, who's been a dad for more than 50 years? Raise your hand. Dad for more than 50 years. We've got, got one, two, three, four, five. We've got five of you in the room. Well, that's impressive. How many, how many have been a dad for six of you? How many of you have been a dad for longer than 60 years? Anybody? 60? You got, oh, we still, we're still going. 65? 65. Give him a hand right there. Yeah. He's got some of his kids with him too, right? <laughs> hey, real quick. Just, I mean, I know some of your kids are with you, but have your kids ever disappointed you? I mean, you don't have to answer that. But this is what happens, right? And you could flip it. You could ask the, the kids, right? Has dad ever disappointed you? No, come on. You know he has, right? Life's full of disappointments. It's going to happen along the way, right? Those things that are happening around us, they distract us, they discourage us, they disappoint us. And if we're building our life on those things, it's like that house of cards that just comes down. Just that house of cards that comes down. And then the the fourth thing is this. And and David, if you really look at his life, like David was was really close to this a couple of times. And it's that um, what's going on around him destroys him. And I mean, he came really close sometimes, you know, I mean, you know, you know the story of him and Bathsheba and like he's distracted, he's like all of those things and it almost got to this place where it just destroyed him. Uh, and that's not what you want to see happen. And so the, the, the flip side of all of that is when you're anchoring your life on Christ, when you're anchoring your life on the truth of who he is, when you're anchoring your life on his promises, that's where you want to be because all of those things will happen and, and you won't get quite as distracted or discouraged or disappointed and it won't destroy you because you're building your life. That's that one song, that second song we sang this morning. It's like, I'm going to build my life on you. I'm going to build my life on who you are. I'm going to build my life on your promises. I'm not going to build my life on what this world has to offer. What this world has to offer is fleeting. 
what, what this world has to offer, and it, it, it will disappoint you. I mean, let's, let's all face it, right? You get to this place right now in your life. I mean, uh, just by show of hands so that maybe you can feel a little bit better. How many of you, um, your, your investment portfolio right now is down this year compared to last year? Anybody want to put your hand up, right? So look around you. What does that teach you? The world system, right? It's not perfect, but you know who is perfect? Our Heavenly Father. I'm not saying you shouldn't, you shouldn't have an investment portfolio. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But what I am saying is that that's not what you want to build your life upon. What you want to build your life upon is the, the truth and promises of who God is, right? So it, what's going on around you can distract you, discourage you, disappoint you, destroy you, or, or it can drive you to focus on who, and this, and this is important, who God is for you. And why do I say it that way? Who God is for you. Well, if you look around the room, and I don't know how many people are in this room, but if you look around the room and if you're tuning in online and you were to, you were to think about, right, the season of life that you find yourself in right now, there's people around who are in a different season. Their life looks a little bit different. And at different seasons of our life, right, we hang on, we hold on to different promises of who God is. And all of those things about him are true, but in different seasons, you're, you're holding on to a different promise. Maybe you're holding on to a different attribute. And that's what I mean by that, is it's going to drive you to who God is for you. So in this particular psalm, David's starting out, and he's going to repeat it, so let's just look at it. Verses uh, 5 and 6 and 7 real quick. He says this, Let all that I am quietly wait quietly before the Lord for My hope is in him, he alone, and he repeats this, he alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. So, so for David, he's got all these things that are going on around him, and he's realizing, he's reminding himself, this is who God is for me in this moment and what's going on in my life. He goes on in verse 7, my victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? To, to have that kind of confidence in who God is and what's going on in his life. He's going, this is, how, this is what I'm anchoring my life to. And I'm realizing all of these things are happening around me, but I know that in this place and in him, I am safe. I am secure. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my, he's my place of solitude. And, and so everything else is just going on. Think of it this way, right? The power of what's going on around you is disarmed by the power of God for you. The power of what's going on around you is disarmed by the power of God for you. The, the power, right, the things that are going on around you. Now, I don't know what you're facing. I mean, you know, I know people facing financial crisis, um, uh, relationship crisis. I know uh, folks that are, are dealing with just loss of, of loved ones. There's people that are dealing with job stuff and um, family stuff. Like there's all of these things that are going on around you. And, and a lot of times you feel like you're in, the, you're in that space and you feel like they're overwhelming to you. And the power of those things around you, are di- it's disarmed by the power of God for you. Think about a couple ways that some people have said it through the years. Somebody that I was reading this week would, would say this. He says, when you, when you talk about trouble, you make it double. I've never heard that before, but it's 
pretty true. Sometimes we talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, and we're just building it up, building it up, building it up. And the, the other person um, that I've heard say something through the years is like, maybe it's time for you to stop talking um, about your problems and start talking to your God, right? You're, you're, you're changing your, the narrative for your life. And stop talking, talking, talking about the things that are going on around you. Instead, focus on who he is for you. And as you do that, the power of those things, they, it just it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, Right? When you're thinking, wait a minute, there's a God in heaven who loves me immeasurably more than I could ever imagine. He loves me unconditionally. He knows what's going on in my life. He is for me. He's not against me. He's not a vindictive God, and he's not trying to get back at me. Like that's, All of those things are what you have to like, speak into your circumstances. And sometimes you, you start looking so much at your circumstances, you actually wind up having a skewed view of God. And, and you, 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 mis, you misunderstand who he is. And you have to determine, like, where and who am I anchoring my life to? The power of what's going on around you is disarmed by the power of God for you. Um, go on. He says, he says this in verse 8. He says, oh, oh, my people, trust in him at all times and pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. So I want you to, I want you to take this. I don't know if you have your Bibles with you, but if you do, just, just let's go back real quick and just think about, maybe you have a pen. I'm somebody who likes to write um, in, in my Bible, so I underline things and um, highlight things. Write down all of the truth that David has spoken about God in just these first eight verses, right? First eight verses. He talks about him being his victory, his rock, his salvation, his fortress. He, re, he replays those things a couple of times. He talks about God being his hope. He then repeats the rock, salvation, and fortress. He says that his victory and honor come from God alone. He's a refuge, repeats that he's a rock. Then he says that I can pour out my heart to him because he is my refuge. That's, that's a lot of descriptions about who God is. A lot of descriptions about like who God is. And it's reminding him of, of just the, the promises of God, right? So David, David would have known some of that early Old Testament stuff would have been talked about, uh, would have been brought up having heard some of those great stories of, of what God did for the Israelites along the way. I mean, those are the things that he would have been told about in his childhood. But he's getting to this place now, and he's obviously in a position of power. People want his life, but he's reminding himself, this is who God is, this is who God is, and this is who God is. Do you know there's this principle, I don't know if you know this, but in Paul, Paul writes about this in the New Testament. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. You know that principle? You know, you reap what you sow. You ever heard that? Like, so, you know, you're, if you sow a lot of seeds of whatever, then, then the hope is that you're going to reap some sort of a harvest that comes out of that. And that, that's the, the way that it goes. And that's what, that's what Paul would write about um, in the New Testament. But think about it with David. And I want you to think about it this way in your life. Is that if you will sow seeds of truth, you will reap a harvest of confidence. Right? So, so think about David and what he's doing. He's repeating him, to himself 
three things in particular that he goes back to about who God is. But then he adds to those being a refuge. He talks about him being a hope. He talks about God being his victory. He talks about his honor coming from him. Like all of those things are, are little seeds that he's dropping. He's depositing these seeds of truth of who God is, who God is, who God is, who God is for me, what he can do for me. He's a place that I can find confidence in. He's a place that I can find refuge in. He's reminding himself, and it's over and over and over again, and he's sowing seeds of truth, and out of those seeds of truth then becomes a harvest of what I would say is confidence. Now I use the word confidence, and there's another way you can say it. You could use the word trust. Right? Trust kind of gets thrown out there a lot. And, and trust has, um, you know, you, you guys, we throw it out there, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. But for me, my, just my definition of truth is that, or trust is that I want to have confidence in who he is. And so as I'm sowing these seeds of truth, sowing these seeds of truth of who God is and who he is for me, the character of who he is, and all of those things, then, then out of that comes when, when things happen in my life that are out of my control in particular, then I'm, I'm reaping from those seeds of truth a harvest of confidence. And I'm not, I'm not in a place of being distracted. I'm not in a place of being discouraged. I'm not disappointed. I'm not in a place of being destroyed because I've, I've been sowing these seeds of truth in my life. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like in your life, you're, you're opening up God's word and, and you're discovering and learning more about who he is what he does around the world, what he does in the world, what he's done throughout history. And you're tracing those footsteps of God throughout history. And you're going, but this is who he is and I can have great confidence in him. Because why? Remember what I said at the very beginning? Because when you anchor your life to Christ, even though your circumstances change, he is unchanging. And so when you trace his footsteps, his handprints throughout history, you find that God is unchanging. He's unchanging. He, 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 it might be a little bit different, right? It might look different in how he relates to people at different times. But in his character and in his strength, he is unchanging. It doesn't matter what our culture may want to do to him. They can't because he is unchanging. And so for you in your life, you're sowing those seeds of truth. You're speaking truth into your life. You're speaking truth into your circumstances. And Ed, the more that you sow those seeds of truth, you're reaping that harvest of confidence when things don't go exactly the way that you want them to. Pick up with me verse 9, and we'll get towards the end of this. Uh, it says this, Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Um, and the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on scales together, they are lighter than a breath of air. And, and you know what? You look at that at first and you read it and you're like, man, what in the world is he saying? And here's basically what he's saying. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. You can be some, you, you can think you're somebody special. That's what he's getting at. He's, you know, he uses the word common people. Uh, and then he talks about the powerful. Well, guess what David's learned? David's a pretty powerful person. But he's not any different. And he doesn't really struggle with things that are a whole lot different than just the average person. 
And that's what he's saying. It, do, it doesn't matter. You get to this place if you weigh them on the scales together, they're lighter than a breath of air. Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. Hopefully none of you are doing that. You didn't even know. Some of you are like, man, I can't believe they have to say that in the Bible. But he does. But here's what he says. And this is the danger of where we live in our culture, right? And if your wealth increases, he says, don't make it the center of your life. Uh-oh. You see, the thing that he's realizing along the way is, is people are the same. And we all face the same dangers and threats in our life. The same things are going to try to capture our attention. He says if you're in a position and your wealth increases, the danger is that you're going to want to make that the center of your life. And he's just saying don't do that. He gets to verse 11. He says, God has spoken plainly, and I have heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you will repay all people according to what they have done. And here's just one more thing, and then I'm going to come back to what I said at the very beginning. It's this. Don't misplace your trust. Or your confidence, if you want to use that word. And what David is saying is this. He gets to this place and he says, listen, if you get to this place where you've become more successful, maybe you're making more money. You might be at a place and you're making more money than you've ever made in your entire life. And he says, don't make that the center of your life. The flip side is this. like, Don't let that pursuit be your pursuit. Some of you, we always think about that, right? If I, if I just make this much more money, this much more money, this much more money. Don't make that the center of your life. But then he says this, he turns his attention because he knows the human condition. Is He, he brings the attention back and he uses this word power. And, and I look at it from, from Psalm 62 when he says this. He says, um, God has spoken plainly. I've heard it many times. And he, he acknowledged, he says, power, O oh God, belongs to you. And you know what that means? Is it doesn't belong to you or me. That it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to him. And you know what? You, you kind of look around the world and, you, and you, you think about it. Those are two of the biggest reasons that things happen around the world the way they do. You look at the world today, and it's either, it seems to be, I'm not saying it's all about this, but it seems to be about money or power. Money or power. Money or power. And David, thousands of years ago, says, one, don't make money or the pursuit of money the center of your life. And oh, by the way, just remember that power, true power, belongs to our Heavenly Father. So don't misplace your trust. It's not a pursuit of money. It's not a pursuit of power. It comes back to what I said at the very beginning. Anchoring your life to Christ because even though your circumstances change, He is unchanging. He is unchanging. I don't know if you realize this. If you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard it said, you know how much God loves you? He loves you so much that he sent Jesus into this world 
to die on a cross for you. Because he wants to have a relationship with you. He has all the power. He has all of the wealth. God could do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. And you know what he decided to do? Send Jesus for you. That's pretty remarkable, isn't it? So when, when you think about what's going on in your life, all of those things will change. But he doesn't. His love for you is unchanging. His love for you is unfailing. And if you will anchor your life to who he is, the promises that he has made, right, then you will find a place that you also would be able to say, he is my rock, he is my fortress, he is my salvation, and I will not be shaken. Can I pray for you this morning? If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes and just want to make this invitation, if you are somebody maybe today and you have some questions about who God is, if you have some questions about um, the fact that he does love you so much that he would send Jesus to die for you, I'd love the chance just to chat. I'll hang out at the hub at the end of the service just in the back of this room. would love the chance to chat. If you're online, um, go ahead and make a comment to Ben and uh, he would love to be able to walk with you. And also if you need prayer, uh, we have folks that would love to just come alongside of you and pray over some of these things that are going on in your life uh, and hopefully remind you that God is bigger and greater than anything and any challenge that you are facing in your life. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the promises that we find in your word. Thank you that for the example that we have in David and his life. Lord, even though, yes, at times he was a mess and his life didn't make sense, and he would go up and down in the way that he walked with you. But God, he knew who you were. And I pray that you would help us to know more deeply who you are, that we can walk more confidently in who you are and the promises that you have for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.